Good afternoon. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. A lot of people, young people. My topic is close to what Brother Keith would have talked about. I'd like to look at Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Toward the end there, beginning in verse 10, Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10, reading through verse 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now the questions that I will ask to address are, how are we to prepare for spiritual persecution? What would it look like and what kind of spiritual hardships might we encounter? How will God deliver us? How can we access the peace of God to keep our hearts from being troubled? Remember in the verses here we're talking about uh, in Ephesians, he says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle instead against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness. You think about the word persecution, you're talking about more than just, say, harassment or bullying, although I guess that could be part of it. But the intent is to harm. The intent is to oppress. And the Apostle Paul said that he persecuted the church to the death. We're talking about physical in that case and not spiritual. So what are we talking about when we talk about spiritual persecution? Well, I think the best thing to do is think about our adversary, the devil. What is Satan like? Well, the, the apostle Christ said in Matthew, the 25th chapter, that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And then when he was talking about the eldership, he said that a man was would be qualified for the eldership, or at least one thing that might prevent him from being qualified, was if he was a prideful person. He said, because if you are, you'd be puffed up with pride, which would lead you into the same condemnation as the devil. So the devil was an angel, and apparently is a prideful being. And we also find there in Jude, the sixth verse, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. The words angels and Satan, they left heaven. That was their proper domain. And now he's here as an adversary. And he's speaking there as an adversary. We know that he's an adversary. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 
Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now there in Peter, when he says that, your adversary, the devil, is walking around trying to see who he can devour. We know that that's symbolic language because he's obviously not going to eat people. If you have ever read the screw tape letters, anybody in here read that? Um, you probably remember that um, screw tape is writing to his nephew, I think, or his tutor. Um, I think he's nephew, doesn't really matter how the story goes exactly, but he talks about souls and how tasty they are and that uh, men like Hitler were uh, offered an especially good crunch. But, you know, that kind of literature, that kind of, of uh, language, you know, is Satan doesn't eat people. But he does devour people. Spiritually, Satan is our adversary. Satan hates us. He only wants harm. And so how is it that Satan harms us? What kind of power does Satan have? I think that's an interesting thing to think about. Has Satan ever killed anybody in the Bible? Do you ever read where Satan just killed somebody? I remember Tom Dennis once said that if baptism was only about immersing people, that he would bulk himself up to the point no one could resist him, and he would bury as many people in the water as he possibly could. And I always thought that was an interesting idea, and I, I could be sure that if Satan, just by catching you at the right time, could kill you and send your soul to hell, he would have done it. But he cannot, apparently. He is restricted. Remember, we talked a little earlier about Job. Satan told God, you know, if you take the things that he has, he'll curse you to the face. And that's what Satan wanted, was for Job to curse God. And he said, all right, I can take that. Well, then that didn't help, didn't work. And so Satan said, well, if you know you allow me to touch his flesh, then he'll curse you to the face. That was what he wanted to do. Cause Job to curse God to his face. And remember what God said. He's yours, but do not take his life. Apparently Satan could. You know, we know angels can take people's lives. There's a record there of the Assyrians in the Old Testament where one angel apparently killed 185,000 men in one night. Angels are powerful beings. But Satan cannot touch us that way. He has to ask. He has to get permission. You remember the Apostle Paul? 
he said that lest he be puffed up with pride over having seen and heard things that it wasn't really permissible for people to have heard. He said that a messenger of Satan was given him a thorn in the flesh and he had asked God three times that it be removed. But it came from Satan. But apparently again it was something where God permitted it. God sent that said, I'll allow it. Satan doesn't have any control over us as far as just taking your life. He can't do it. I would think that even he can't touch you. He can't give you some disease unless God somehow permitted it. And I don't know that that would happen today. Well, what about people that were possessed? You know, in the New Testament, we read about that a lot. In fact, when Christ sent out the 70, one of the things that he gave those 70 people, as well as his 12 disciples, was the ability to cast out demons. And the 70 came back and they were just amazed. Even the demons are under our, subje- under our subjection. And Christ said, I saw Satan fall from heaven. Well, that was apparently only a time to illustrate that Christ had the power over the demons. And when he interacted with them, they knew who he was. They were afraid of him. Same with the disciples. With Paul, for example, he also was able to cast out demons. And then the seven sons of Siva, remember them trying to do the same thing? And they said, Jesus we know, and Paul I know. He says, but who are you? And there in Acts, the 19th chapter, verses 15 through 16, it says, Then the men, the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. But they weren't killed. How are you persecuted spiritually? 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verses 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice what he's saying here. He says that we are engaged in a warfare that is mighty. Arguments. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But what we're fighting about with is our ability to keep the knowledge of God in us. If Satan can keep us from the knowledge of God, then he is one because the Word of God is all we have for salvation. You know, think about the four types of soil there in Matthew, the 13th chapter. This could illustrate, I think, what Satan does to persecute us. And the four types of soil doesn't mean that, you know, like the first one where the soil is the wayside and the word falls on the wayside and is just left there. And then 
the birds, but in one of the passages, Matthew, he says that the wicked one comes and takes it away. Satan doesn't want you to know the Word of God. And there are people that aren't interested in it. That is just foolishness. I have heard people say that the church is a cult. They don't want anything to do with it. It's odd. And they won't listen to what the Scriptures say. They'll say it's not true. It's just a lie. It doesn't stay with them. They don't pay any attention to it. And that is one form of persecution. Keith talked about the second kind of soil, where it's a stony soil that has no root in himself. But he says, when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. The persecution comes because of the word. Again, as if you don't have root in yourself, and then there's some persecution, some problems, because you are a Christian. In first in Second Timothy, sorry, chapter two, verses seventeen and eighteen, it says, And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. So you can have people that say, Well, here's this it's not true. The scriptures, the word that's there, they misinterpret it. You listen to this. There's a group that even has on the front page of their text another gospel. And you'll say, well, what about Galatians where it says, if though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel. doesn't seem to trouble them that their own text says another gospel. They're bold about it. First Peter 4, verses 3-4. through 4, For we have spent enough of our lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Again, as Keith was saying, you're not part of the in crowd. You're not included. You're excluded. You're thought of as odd. And you want to belong. You want to be part of the group. At least that's the temptation. Staying away from the Lord lets you be part of the group, the crowd. In Second Peter, the second chapter, verses 7 and 8, it says, And delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. You know, you see so much. And you can become, as has been mentioned earlier this morning, just by being around this enough, it can tend to influence your thinking so much. You're there and you see it so often. It can harm us. We need to be sure and keep the Word in our thoughts and keep our focus on what the Scriptures say. What does the world tell you? You should do what makes you happy. You know? Well, what is it's going to make you happy? 
I guess all kinds of things could make you happy. What is it that's going to save your soul? That's what we ought to worry ourselves about. A third kind of soil, the thorny soil. It says it chokes out the word. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Sports are a good thing. You learn teamwork. In fact, I know a man that had been an elder, and he joined our congregation. And from what I understand, he liked to golf. And people would tell him, golfing seems like it's a big waste of time. All you do is chase a little ball around and then find out that it's down in a creek someplace. It's hard to get. uh, It's just, what's the point of it? And you go somewhere like, say you're out in Hawaii, or you can imagine someplace like that, and all this beautiful area around here, what are you doing? You're playing golf instead of enjoying other things, maybe? They're there. People like it. But this man could spend 15 minutes defending golf as a spiritual experience. It was a good thing. It did some real uh, spiritual good for you. How often... Do we see young people involved with sports to the point where their focus, the whole focus of the family is is on that, and that's all. It's way above what would be just, you know, normal, I guess. Um, Now little ones are involved with things, and I know one of uh, my coworkers, her daughter, sixth grade went to the World Series I guess I don't know how many World Series there are but they were at a World Series and they were uh, pleased to have won the World Series Uh, this is sixth grade and under and you know you, you can get involved with a lot of stuff in the world just a lot of things how many organizations are there that you could join be part of all kinds of things. It distracts you. It keeps you from studying the Bible. keeps you from church. I remember years ago, uh, we found out that the future business leaders of America, they have this group that met up in Indianapolis, and um, Joshua was a senior, and we went up there. Um, they only met on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I asked, why do you meet at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning? Well, that's the only time that's available. Everything else is taken up with sports and other activities. It just This time is free. Uh, just, I don't know. I don't know if they still meet or not at... Uh, on Sunday mornings, but I just thought that was interesting. There is so much to do, so many things to uh, keep yourself occupied, and you're not spending time in the Word. That's what he's saying. The thorny soil chokes out the Word. Other things to do, other things to think about. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. You know, 
First Timothy, the fourth chapter and verse 8, he said, Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And say there's sports. If you're not involved with sports, you can also be involved with politics. You can watch television. I read a statistic that said in 2022, 55% of the people watched at least between one hour and four hours of television, and 22% of the people watched over four hours of television a day. And I'm sure if you drive along your streets at home at night, you can see the glow of the televisions in people's homes. Uh, there's not so much getting out and socializing anymore. Even good works the scriptures talk about it as being a distraction. You remember Martha? So busy with all that was there. All the people wanted to make sure that they were getting the food, getting their beverages, and watching and worrying about that so much that she goes to the Savior and says, tell my sister to help me. There's so much to do. And Christ said, Martha, you're worried about so much. But your sister, Mary, has chosen the good thing. In other words, be sure that you focus on the Word. Make sure that it's something that you can do. Let me ask you this. How is Christ persecuted spiritually? You know, He's supposed to be our example. How was Christ persecuted? Well, early on, we're told that Jesus went into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and for 40 days, he was tempted by Satan. He wasn't just wandering around in the wilderness. He was tempted by Satan for 40 days. And it said that he didn't eat anything for 40 days. And afterward, it says he was hungry. Have you ever noticed how the Bible understates things? You know, if you haven't eaten for 40 days... And then they just say, well, I'm hungry. I would think so. It's just, the Bible does this. You know, we talk about the crucifixion. It just says Jesus was scourged. And he was crucified. And I know all of us have heard lessons where people talk about what it really means to scourge people. What it really means to be crucified. The Bible doesn't say. We can read for ourselves. But the point is the Bible understates things. And so when the Bible starts talking about dangers, about losing your soul, where he talks about hell, and the rich man says, I am tormented in this flame, you can be sure that there's more to it than someone saying, I am tormented in this flame. It's more than just discomfort. And when the Scriptures say to know this, the Bible and understand it, how important it is, we should believe it. In the fourth chapter of Luke in verse 13, we're, well, in the fourth chapter of Luke, we're told about the temptations of Jesus. After the 40 days, he comes back, says he's hungry, Turn stones into bread. And what does Christ say? 
it is written. And then he says, well, if look at everything here. All this has been given to me. I'll give it to you. All of these kingdoms, all of this. You can have all this honor, all of this power, all of this authority. Christ said it is written. And then he puts him on the pinnacle of the temple and he says, jump down and if you'll jump down, then angels will bear up. And Christ says again, it is written. And then there in the 13th verse, it says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And the point is that Satan attempted him for 40 days straight and then he did everything he could to get him to sin and then he left but he didn't leave for good it says he left for a more opportune time now we're persecuted spiritually every day we're not persecuted there's not just a, a specific specific hour or time that we're going to be tempted we have to deal with it all the time and that's why in the passage we were looking at in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So then look at verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And notice what it is. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Truth. That's what the gospel is. It is truth. It's God's word. Isn't it interesting that there... In the book of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Christ is the Word. Christ came down to give us God's Word. It's written here. And we could talk a long time and won't about the value. The reason to think about the Word is important. Study it and know it. Then he says there, not just gird yourself with truth, because, of course, knowing the truth, you're not, it's not believing a lie. You understand reality. But he says then, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. It's more than knowing it. When you talk about righteousness, then you're talking about living it. You're not just, you've got these ideas. There's a a group called Sacred Harp that they sing religious songs in this acapella and it's in a square. And it's just interesting because the songs are all really pretty much straight out of the Bible. But you find people that spend a lot of effort and energy on that, but they just want to know about it. They want to know the history of sacred harp music. There's no harps. The harp is our voice. And the book is looks kind of like that as far as this big rectangular thing. 
Well, what's interesting is that people, there's a societies where all they do is they study, where did that song come from? Who wrote it? What kind of a life did they live? And they become very, very knowledgeable about all of the surroundings of that. And the same thing is true in the scriptures. People can study, but not really ever do anything other than study. They get to know, okay, where did um, this book get written? Where is Where was uh, Paul when he wrote this or that? And yet not really live it. They just become scholars. They don't no, they don't. They don't live those kind of lives. I people in the church. I'm not saying that they're like that at all. I don't know anybody. Personally, don't know anybody in the church. Myself, that's just a scholar and doesn't follow the word. But if we don't follow it, we're not going to get anywhere. James said that. You remember he talked about a mirror. You look in the mirror, you see yourself, and then you go and forget what kind of a person you were. And then he talks about importance that faith is, but he says faith without works is dead. It doesn't help you just to know the Bible. You have to live it. As he said, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Nevertheless, you do not give them the things that are needed for the body. What does it profit? Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Your feet are supposed to be shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You got firm footing there. And the shield of faith quenches the fiery darts of the wicked. There are things that come up. Why did this person die? Why is this person sick? Is it possible that God is really with me or not? Satan is sending things out to us trying to cause us to doubt. And the shield of faith quenches those fiery darts. As the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians, the 4th chapter, But we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Then he talks about the helmet of salvation. And then put a helmet on, it covers your mind, doesn't it? That's the point. Cover your head, your thinking. And then, <clears throat> the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And you remember again, that's how Christ parried the temptations. We have to use the Word of God. Therefore, He says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, James says. How are you going to resist the devil? He's a spiritual being. The only way we can resist him is by quoting the scriptures to ourselves and our mind, thinking, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to let this temptation overtake me. 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except to such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but with also but will also with the temptation make a way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. Christ is going to allow us to get through and deal with whatever comes up, whatever our situation. Satan cannot 
possess us. Satan cannot force us. We are the ones that make decisions. We are the ones that are going to be judged. We are the ones that are dealing with our life. We are the ones that choose what we're going to do. Now Christ told His disciples that in spite of all the persecutions that they're going to be facing, that He would give them peace. He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'd like to close in First Peter, the first chapter. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth of the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible things, seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. We need to ask ourselves, we're going to talk about spiritual persecution. First of all, spiritual persecution. That's something we face all the time. And the only thing we can do with it is the Word of God. Our understanding, our steeping ourselves in it, if we know the truth and live it, we can be assured of salvation. And it is the only way. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. This afternoon... There may be someone here ready to give their life to the Lord. I'm going to sing a song of invitation. If you know there's a void in your life, you know that there's something more that you need, as we stand and sing the invitation number, won't you come forward?